As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. The politics surrounding the whistleblower. Tonight, new details as the White House battles down for what is shaping up to be political battle even bigger than the Mueller investigation and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell standing strong with President Trump. But will Republicans in the Senate stick by his side? We will navigate the ins, the outs, the Democratic perspective, the Republican perspective. What does it mean for the trade agenda? What does it mean for the policy agenda as this scandal, the Ukraine scandal, as the Democrats calling it, or nothing burger, as the Republicans have been calling it all week, heads into a second week. And what a week it was. Before we get into it with Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News 2020 politics editor, and Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail, soon to be McClatchy News. Coming up later on in the program, we're going to check in with Brian Hook. I'll play for you that interview from Bloomberg Television. He's the U.S. Special Representative for Iran. Some major developments on the European front as it relates to Iran. Europe now saying that that, uh, Iran was, in fact, behind potentially that Saudi Aramco drone attack from earlier this month. A lot to get through. Remember, the U.N. General Assembly meeting concluded earlier this week. But domestically, it's all about, well, Ukraine. And the president tonight is now hunkering down to a new political reality that faces him in the short term that could have long-lasting implications into the next election year and beyond. Of course, I'm talking about the whistleblower report That capped off a dizzying week on Capitol Hill. We have new details tonight that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is saying that the House Intelligence Committee is fully prepared to be meeting during the House congressional recess to continue with the investigation. We're also hearing that the House is preparing for some type of public hearing with Rudy Giuliani, the former New York City mayor, and of course now the president's personal attorney, whom the whistleblower alleges was going to Ukraine to really act as the go-between between President Trump and the Ukrainians. And now he's in a back and forth with members of the intelligence 
community. Here with me for the hour, Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News 2020 politics editor, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail. Thank you both for being here. Wendy, I'll start with you. All right, we've concluded a dizzying week. Here we are heading into the weekend. What changes for the president come Monday morning? I, there are tremendous changes for the president. He now is facing, I think, the most serious threat to his presidency since he was elected. The difference between this and the Russia investigation is that that was all based on, you know, anonymous sources and things we didn't know and secret conversations that happened, you know, overseas. And here we have the transcript of the phone call and a report by a whistleblower who was, you know, did some actual reporting on his or her own to tell us what the reaction was in the White House. And so this is a um, particularly dangerous time for the president, I think. Let's take a listen to what House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had to say uh, when she was uh, discussing uh, yesterday, just summing up all of the, the summing up the week. Here she is. This is a very sad time for our country. I say this to you with great sorrow and prayerfully, uh, that we are at a place that I hoped we would never be. I never thought we would see a president take the actions that he has. So there you have it, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail. Um, What changes for Democrats um, come Monday morning? Well, for both sides, on Monday, we're going to hear for the first time from one of the people who was named in that whistleblower complaint, or at least that's what Democrats are hoping, Kevin. The first person that they plan to summon is the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, and that they outlined in a letter that they sent to the Secretary of State today asking him for documents. Well, not asking anymore. Now they are demanding. They're subpoenaing them. They're subpoenaing them. But so far, they're still requesting testimony from current and former State Department officials, but we heard Adam Schiff today say that he plans to subpoena them, too, if they do not uh, agree to testify of their own volition. And there's there's now questions as to whether Attorney General William Barr knew anything about the whistleblower. Uh, and and you, when you read that nine-page document, the whistleblower report document, whatever you want to call it, Rudy Giuliani is, is a central key figure here. Take a list. So, so Secretary Pompeo was asked... Uh, I, I believe on CBS, uh, yeah, on CBS, with regards to whether or not he believes that Rudy Giuliani was appropriate in his actions. Take a listen to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo with how. Well, I'll let the Secretary of State say it. Here he is. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, and from what I've seen so far, uh, each of the actions that were undertaken by State Department officials was entirely appropriate. I mean, he's not throwing Rudy Giuliani. He's not criticizing Rudy Giuliani, but he's also not saying Rudy Giuliani is performing appropriately, Wendy. Right. Well, how— It's a tough spot for the Secretary of State to be in. It is, but how how can you say Rudy Giuliani is behaving appropriately? I mean, he goes on TV and he throws—there are times when Rudy Giuliani throws Trump under the bus. You know, it's like he said one point before the reports were actually out, he said, well, I don't know if he offered— you know, to hold up to make to offer a quid pro quo. I can't say that for a hundred percent. I mean, and he's this is Trump's lawyer, the one guy who should be actually, you know, doing everything he can to protect Trump, and even he's not doing it. And he is acting sort of outside the diplomatic channels, and he's completely untethered from the U.S. government. And it's, um, 
you know, I think Mike Pompeo was right to frame it the way he did, however. So I, I was struck by this because here we are. And there's been so much said, there's been so much written, there's been so much tweeted about the developments as it relates to Ukraine. Uh, and I, I, we, we finally have a poll out for how Americans are interpreting this and how they are uh, – how they're viewing it. And it's this Morning Consult poll. A, a good friend of the program, Eli Yokely, over at Morning Consult flagged it for me. Uh, and he says that essentially – for the for, uh, a, court, a poll of a morning console poll of all voters, when asked whether or not Congress should begin impeachment proceedings, forty three percent polled between of all voters, forty three percent said yes, forty three percent said no, thirteen percent have no opinion. This is about the same level as the Mueller report week. When you break it down by party. 79% of Democrats say that they're in favor of, of beginning impeachment proceedings. And again, that's a tough thing, and that can mean many different things. But only 10%, 10% of Republicans, independents, since it's 39% to 36%. So this is still, Francesca, an incredibly polarizing, politically tribalism story. And that's what the White House is counting on. Right. White House officials have been brushing this off and saying that, like the Mueller report, they expect that this will blow over and that it would be a complete and total overreaction for them to start, uh, let's say, getting some outside counsel, hiring some more lawyers. To them, this is just more Democratic oversight. Do we know what McConnell's saying, Francesca? Um, I don't know that we've heard from because we've heard this we heard not this afternoon, but earlier this week uh, 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 when the transcript came out, pre whistleblower complaint. He said in a statement to Politico, "quote I've read the summary of the call. If this is the launching point for House Democrats' impeachment process, they've already overplayed their hand. It's mm -hmm. clear there is no quid pro quo that the Democrats were desperately praying for." End quote. That was in a statement to Politico, Wendy. So McConnell is arguably the person who decides whether or not this becomes a political transforms from a political story into a constitutional one. That's right. He does. And at the moment, it doesn't look like the Senate will take the action. And I just to remind people of their sixth grade civics class, the <laughs> schoolhouse house, rock. We should get schoolhouse the schoolhouse rock. rock. I was in a schoolhouse rock play in eighth grade. <laughs> So I just want to say that. Sorry. Okay. It well, has nothing to do with this. The Sorry, Anthony. The beginning of Kevin Cirilli's career. <laughs> yeah. the, um, <laughs> or the end. <laughs> but the House will vote to – may vote if they do. If they vote to impeach the president of the United States, what that means is it's similar to an indictment. It says there's enough to charge him. Then there's a trial in the Senate if the Senate agrees to hold a trial. And if they do, it is the Senate that could convict or acquit. The Senate acquitted – Bill Clinton in 1996. So the so whether the Senate takes this up is still a big question. Things could evolve to the point where, you know, um, Republicans do believe this is wrong. But I just want to say one thing, if I can, Kevin, about the polls, of course. which is that we're not sure with independents or Democrats, the ones who are opposed to impeachment, is it because they think this is a nothing burger or is it because they think that impeachment is the wrong way right. to go about this? And there is a very real concern and risk that if the Democrats, in the House impeaches him and the Senate won't take it up and he is acquitted or acquitted by lack of action, 
then Trump has been witch hunted and it, there's a very real um, sympathy in the country and he could be reelected, which, you know, would be bad for Democrats. Can I also just say, Kevin, though, looking at a vote in the Senate on impeachment, oh, my, that would be incredibly <laughs> difficult because even if oh Republicans agree that he has even a few Republicans that he would have committed uh, potentially impeachable offenses to put that vote on record as a Republican. I mean, if it fails, they you are they, they win. Yeah, you better hope <laughs> it wins because Donald Trump, particularly if you're up for re-election this right. year, two years, uh, that's not going to play very well for you. He's going to drag you. All right. Coming up, panel reacts to the policy implications. Plus, Who's up? Who's winning? Republicans or Democrats as the case for impeachment Democrats continue to build it. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio from Hillary Clinton. Remember her? Hillary Clinton. She's saying that we knew he was a corrupt businessman who cheated people. We knew his campaign invited foreign adversaries to tamper with our elections. And now we know that in the course of his duties as our president, he's endangered us all by putting his personal and political interests ahead of the interests of the American people. Hillary Clinton was at Georgetown today, folks, talking about this, the Ukraine scandal story. Wendy Benjaminson's here, Bloomberg News 2020 politics editor, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail. Coming up, we're going to play for you my interview with Brian Hook, the U.S. Special Envoy for Iran, and a lot of developments on the foreign policy front. So I'm excited that we can we can dabble away from this Ukraine story for just a second. Okay, so... I was talking to some sources up on Capitol Hill earlier today, Francesca, who say that Speaker Pelosi likely wants to see articles of impeachment by Thanksgiving and have all of this wrapped up by the end of the calendar year, which means we head into 2020 in January, a month before the Iowa caucus, with this done. Does that mesh yeah, that the time? Because yeah, everybody that, that wants to know the timeline. Right. Folks getting home from work to, er, in their car, they want to know what this means in terms of USMCA timeline, all of the other policy implications and whatnot. And whether they'll be talking about this over Thanksgiving dinner, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, I think that that sounds right. Let's well, not. Let's all make a pact to not talk <laughs> politics ever at Thanksgiving. I'm so oh, sick of oh, Sorry, I'm complaining. I have a lot of gratitude in my life, but I will tell you it's so annoying when you were like, <laughs> everyone's window into Washington. Sorry. But I do think I do think that that's accurate because the, the worst thing you want to signal heading into an election year is we have no faith in whoever our Democratic nominee is. So we feel that if we you know, we we don't act now to get the president out of office, this might be our last chance. So you either want to if you're going to do it, you want to do it. You want to do it this year before the Iowa caucuses. It's definitely not something that you want to be doing amid the presidential primary. No doubt. Wendy. Well, and, you know, with all due respect to Mrs. Clinton, yes, we <laughs> knew all those things about Donald Trump. Yeah. And yet still the country elected him yeah. over Mrs. Clinton. And further, it's there is a real danger that the Democrats are going to somehow, you know, not 
do this precisely enough, and there will be eight years of Donald Trump. And that's that's something where the Democrats will have to really take a look at who's running for president, how they conduct themselves. I think there's going to be some navel-gazing in 2020. When you look at the, the agenda from, from the policy wonk business community world as it relates to USMCA, as it relates to chances of a U.S.-China trade agreement, as it relates to uh, drug pricing and whatnot, the, the consensus based upon the conversations that I have with analysts at the various uh, groups around town as well as uh, with sources up on Capitol Hill is that it's one thing to have a tweet take up oxygen in the room from the president. It's an entirely different thing to have impeachment proceedings drown out everything. And so the path, at least now as we end this week, the path for significant, meaningful policy agenda items getting accomplished has just you're, – you're, you're making the throw-out-the-window, Wendy, <laughs> motion. <laughs> Another reason I wish we were on TV. Our but, listeners can't hear and yeah. see that? Throw but but those chances have diminished. Yes. And and Speaker Pelosi was absolutely right, as it turned out, in 2018 in the midterms when she encouraged candidates not to focus on Donald Trump. She encouraged the candidates to focus on health care and income inequality. Right. And so there was, a, there was a shift. And guess what? They won. Yeah. And now it's all going to be about Trump. They're not going to be able to do prescription drugs. They're not going to be able to do infrastructure. They're not going to be able to do USMCA. And this hatred between the parties continues. So what changed? Because Democrats, when I say what changed, they say, well, it's a constitutional crisis. And look, I'm not I'm not. Yeah, I'm well, there is that. Say, I'm not, but I'm not saying – I'm not opining on whether or not that's legitimate. But there, but what's, truthfully, what, what do you think changed from, the, from that calculation of, of Pelosi's perspective? I think that the transcript of that phone call right. was so surprising. And you see in the whistleblower's report where the person says, you know, that – he was he or she was told by half a dozen people that they went you know they after they locked down the transcript they went running to the white house counsel's office to make sure they didn't just witness a crime this this is not maybe donald trump violated the emoluments clause or maybe donald trump you know uh you know his campaign colluded with the russians or manafort represented a ukrainian this is you can see and trump says he asked the ukrainian president to investigate joe biden that probably bears investigating, but it does have the effect of stopping policy. It's, it really is incredibly, incredibly fascinating. And I want to give a shout out to John Harris, a founding editor of Politico. He has a, an amazing analytical piece on Politico magazine that's up today. He covered the impeachment proceedings of uh, Clinton. Uh, and he says that so many of the political uh, reality that we are living in in this Washington, D.C., was really created uh, during the impeachment proceedings uh, of yesteryear and during the uh, the Clinton impeachment. Uh, he says, there was the notion that establishment news organizations were no longer the gatekeepers of the news or what right-minded people were supposed to think about the news. He notes the Internet pioneer Matt, Matt Drudge, and he goes on to write, this was also the beginning of saturation coverage of Washington and the commercialization of political news. CNN, 
went round the clock with the Lewinsky special programming, as did its newborn rivals, MSNBC and Fox News. The hysteria and indignation industry was born. Coming up, my interview with Brian Hook, U.S. Special Representative for Iran. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. With so much conversation around Ukraine, let's not forget about the overseas developments happening on what has become a volatile situation with Iran. Earlier today, I interviewed Brian Hook, U.S. Special Representative for Iran and a, a senior advisor to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I had to begin the interview with what all of the Ukraine situation means for the United States abroad. And, well, roll tape. Kevin, it hasn't really had any effect at all here in New York. We're just finishing up the United Nations General Assembly. Uh, we've had a very good and productive week here. The uh, European nations have now joined the United States in calling for a new Iran deal to replace uh, the deal that we left about a year ago. And we also had a number of countries identify Iran as responsible for the attacks in Saudi Arabia, which were a clear violation of the United Nations Charter. And so we've had a very good week here. I want to pick up on that because, as you mentioned, Iran's key European partners distanced themselves earlier today from Tehran amidst rising tension that Iran has uh, with the United States. I mean, I'm looking at this. France, Germany, they have joined the U.K. in saying that Iran was behind these Saudi Aramco facility attacks. So with that now on the table, uh when do, what, what is the timetable for creating a new type of international coalition as it relates to Iran? Well, I think this is going to probably proceed uh, in, in, in a number of steps. The first step is Saudi Arabia will conclude its investigation of the attacks. They have already said that Iran is behind the attacks. We think that when they finished uh, the site exploitation in Abqaiq where the attacks occurred, that they will then... Uh, send uh, a letter to the U.N. Security Council asking it to take uh, appropriate action. In the meantime, the United States is going to continue to intensify our sanctions on Iran until they come to the negotiating table. But in the meantime, we'll be denying them billions of dollars in revenue that they would otherwise spend on terrorist operations. 
You know, I, I was I was reading in pre- preparation for this interview. Uh, it, if it only costs Iran a couple of thousand dollars to carry out a drone attack like the one they uh, that the, the U.S. And, and European nations are saying happened with Saudi Aramco, and and the U.S. is placing so many sanctions to isolate Iran, but how do you thwart off those smaller dollar uh, drone attacks if if it's cheap for them to do it? That is one of the advantages of modern terrorism. Uh, terrorists have an asymmetric advantage where they only have to be right once, but we have to be right about a thousand times a day. Uh, this is just the nature of sort of the modern age and the ability of terrorists to get into their hands sophisticated weapons, as you said, Kevin, that are very inexpensive. So we have denied the regime tens of billions of dollars in revenue. The regime is weaker today, and so are its proxies. We have been able to deter and disrupt a number of Iranian attacks that they've been looking to execute since May, but we have not eliminated the asymmetric uh, advantage that they have. President Trump tweeting out earlier today that he uh, is not willing to lift any of those sanctions. In terms of the reaction for Iran, uh, President Rouhani of Iran saying that the U.S. had offered to lift sanctions in exchange for talks, do you have any response to that? That's not true. Uh, yeah, not true. Yeah. <laughs> the president um, has made clear that he is open to meeting with the Iranians, but there will be no sanctions relief uh, until we have a new deal. And that deal needs to address the entire range of threats that Iran presents to the world. That's the nuclear program, their missile program, the regional aggression, and their hostage-taking of Americans. So we're very much focused on getting a new deal. The Europeans have moved in our direction this week. It was a big diplomatic setback for Iran, and we hope that um, we can get to a new deal. But the pressure is going to continue until Iran comes to the table. And I just got to press you on this in terms of a timetable, because now with the the Europeans essentially in agreement with the United States here, is there any timetable, Brian, in terms of next steps for when an international type of pressure campaign might happen against Tehran? I think the question is um, looking at the Iran nuclear deal. The Iran, uh, the Iranian regime is in material breach of the Iran nuclear deal. We're out of the deal which is a good thing because it enables us to better prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. And so the Europeans are going to have to decide at some point whether they want to keep staying in the deal. Uh, And so that's one of the things we'll be looking at. But we think this is a very important step in our direction. We would like to see the European Union sanction Iran, its missile program and its drone program, so that we can help restore deterrence in that region. That was Brian Hook, U.S. Special Representative for Iran and a Senior Advisor to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Coming up, panel reacts. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and this is Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Happy Friday, folks. I I genuinely thought that this week was over three or four days ago, but then I realized it wasn't. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent with Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg News. It was a dizzying week, but how about that Eagles game last night, huh? Did you stay up for it? The good guys won. Philly won. Thank the Lord. Beating the Green Bay Packers, but still Carson Wentz cannot seem to connect in the first quarter. All right, this is a politics policy show. Wendy Benjaminson's here, Bloomberg News 2020 politics editor. I believe you're from Texas, but I think you don't like the Cowboys, if I recall correctly. I 
not like the Cowboys. Sorry, I'm your Houston. mic was off. Oh. I just want to hear that on air. Yes, let me say that on air. Yes. I am a Houston girl. We are for so, the Texans. Yeah, so you don't like the Dallas Cowboys. No. All right, good. Okay. I knew I liked you. Uh, Francesca Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail. Do you like the Dallas Cowboys? I'm from Kansas City. So you. So I'm, I, that makes me a Kansas City Chiefs fan. All right, good for you. All right. I mean, you guys have had a rough. Anyway. I'm loyal. Good. Same. Um,. Okay, my favorite part of the show, what's on your radar, but there's a rule. It can't be Ukraine. We've talked enough about Ukraine <laughs> <laughs> all week, and there's been other news happening. What is on your radar, Wendy Benjaminson? Elizabeth Warren is yes. on my radar. She had the best week. She had a great week, and, and you know— Yet Biden still overshadowed it with all of this Ukraine stuff. But she is in a statistical tie with Joe Biden, inching ahead within the margin of error, but two points ahead of him in Iowa, New Hampshire, California, and in a Quinnipiac national poll. So that is uh, – and those polls were taken before this whole Ukraine thing. Wow. So I that, know, wow. Before. Before these polls were taken So we don't even know before. if she gets the Ukraine bump. She may, yes, and then she'll get a Ukraine bump. She has effectively kept her message on Trump um, and without defending Biden, but she's kept it on Trump, where Bernie Sanders kind of, you know, uh, kind of stuck it to Joe Biden this week by saying, well, I haven't read too much about Hunter Biden. So, yes. Well, he dodged. So, yeah, that's actually really interesting. Let's, let's stick with the Bernie angle of this, because you mentioned the Monmouth University poll, which now has Senator Elizabeth Warren beating Joe Biden in New Hampshire, beating Joe Biden in Iowa, and the Quinnipiac poll, which has Elizabeth Warren beating Joe Biden in a poll of all Within Democratic. Within the margin of error. It, but it doesn't. But when you look at the trend, I mean, yes. and she hasn't yes. even attacked him. I mean, and this is what I, I want to stick with Bernie, but I want, we'll come back to it a second. Bernie dodged. When he was asked point blank if he has concerns about Hunter Biden, he dodged because he dodged. he's running and his message is anti-establishment, anti-corruption, anti-cronyism. Yes, but his closest competitor is Elizabeth Warren, right. not Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they're Francesca's for the dying to come in here. Come All on, right. come in. <laughs> Yes, that's true that his closest competitor is Elizabeth Warren. But here's a theory that I've heard, which is that Bernie Sanders might believe that the best place for him to pick up points in the race is actually from Joe Biden. A lot of people believe that. If you look at the who's number two on your on your list, right for uh, for Bernie voters, it's Biden. It's not Warren. Right. That's where that's where this is coming from in the polling. And so it doesn't make sense to them to to go after the low polling candidates and try and pick up a point here or a point there. It's to go after Joe Biden and and pull down some points from him because of what Kevin just said. I believe you. It just seems so funny because yeah, they're so different, they're unless so different. it's just that's the boomer vote or something. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it really, truly is. But for Elizabeth Warren, I put this question to everyone, Republicans, Democrats, uh, Democratic Socialists, and I'm very curious for both of your perspectives on this because her message is drain the swamp. She's not saying drain the swamp, but her message is anti-cronyism. Can she criticize Joe Biden and make a cronyist argument not saying that what he did was illegal, but saying what he did was crony. I'll start with you, Wendy. Well, first of all, he didn't do anything crony-ish, is that if, if crony-ish is a word, right, with the Hunter, Ukraine stuff. Hunter Biden getting a spot on that board? 
Ukraine may have thought they could get something, but Joe Biden, representing the United States, the European Union, the International Monetary Fund, and everyone, carried out U.S. policy. I want to let me let me be careful in firing here. the prosecutor. Uh, I, I want that. I'm I'm saying from an outsider in Delco, where I grew up in suburban Philly. Who is an independent voter? Who has who folks have voted for Republican presidents and Democratic presidents? The son of a vice president joining the board of a Ukrainian. But what did Joe company. Biden do? But, but the appearance. I mean, I mean, if 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 people are going to criticize the Trump kids for various things, I, you're saying you're saying you think he's safe. No, I didn't say I think he's safe. You don't I think, think Warren can use the cronyism argument? I don't think she All right. can. All right. Not uh, Francesca, do you think that? Here's the difficulty. <laughs> well, no, really, if you're Elizabeth Warren and, and, you're, and you're trying to figure out how to attack this, right? Do you really want to give this one to Donald Trump? Because the moment that... People like Elizabeth Warren start attacking him. Then the next attack ad you're going to see is one from Donald Trump, and it's going to be a mashup of them. Even you know, in him at rallies saying like, even the Democratic competitors think that that Joe that's Biden right. did this. So that's where the danger lies for Democrats in in jumping onto this train. There's yeah. plenty of room to criticize Joe Biden without ever touching Ukraine. If you're Elizabeth Warren. All right, I totally disagree. I think she's going to touch it, and I think we that— We never disagree. I, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm <laughs> but just the debate, saying— But the debate will be, can I just say, the debate that's coming up will be a true test of this issue. Right. Because right. what if the moderators bring up the exactly. issue to Joe Biden, and, the, and then and other the people on stage are, asked, uh, stage are asked about this, what are they going to say? Every candidate has to think very, very and this carefully is a, about this that. is my point, is that Joe Biden—no one is saying that there was anything illegal— but when you've got Democrats, members of Congress saying that this has to be looked into and that there's questions about this and the Senate is saying that they're going to investigate this. Look, it, it's in the it's in the conversation, you know, I mean, Absolutely. And, and, and it's and, and, and the issue of the the children of influencers in Washington. I mean, come on. We've been here before. And it's it's part of the culture. Two types of people. There are the people on that stage who can claim well, I think the Congress should definitely look into that because they're not in the Congress, so right. it doesn't fall on them. What's on your radar? What's on my radar? Because we've got like okay. two minutes. I want to make sure I get to that. Well, besides the debate. Right. Uh, right. Right. That's a big thing. Huge besides, thing. Yeah, huge thing. Besides the debate, uh, I really have been watching all the times that President Trump claims that he might go visit another country. Uh, no, it's true. Every time someone asks him, he want, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to come to Germany. Uh, now he's committed to coming to Poland again very soon this fall. But the most interesting one was when, over the weekend, he claimed that he could go to Mumbai to watch the NBA game that will be taking place in India for the very first time, which uh, w- was not something that had ever been suggested before. And this game is taking place on October 4th or 5th, so I think it's pretty clear that he's not going. That's not going to happen at this point. Um, but it is so difficult for the White House when the president says things like that that have a real expiration date. And I'm curious as to whether he will also follow through and go to Australia this year because they invited him for the golf game. And that's going to be hard for him to turn down. All right. Golf you know, will be hard for you him know, to it's turn on down. My, that's, that's fascinating. That's, that's, that's great. Uh, what's on my radar is 60 Minutes on CBS this Sunday. Nora O'Donnell sits down with Saudi Arabia's crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. MBS. And what he says 
about Iran, what he says about Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist who the Saudis had killed, uh, is going to be fascinating. I mean, and and it really is uh, the first time, I believe, that we're hearing uh, since the intense since the situation with Iran has intensified from the Saudi crown prince, who is really in the middle of a host of different different policy uh, implications around the world as it relates to U.S. Israeli relations, and of course as it relates to Iran. All right, that does it for me. What great radar, great uh, insights from Wendy Benjaminson, Bloomberg News 2020 politics editor, not a Dallas Cowboys fan, and Francesca <laughs> Chambers, White House correspondent for the Daily Mail. Uh, I want to see Ad Astra this weekend. I'm running in the Georgetown Half Marathon on Sunday. Are, are any of you doing that? No, but no, I want to see... This is embarrassing, but I want to see the Downton Abbey movie. I have no desire. Which, no, which, I don't want to see that at all. Wendy, we disagree again. A lot of America <laughs> also wants to see. I have never seen an episode of two shows, Downton Abbey or what's that one where they fight a lot? Uh, how, not Hunger Games, the one. What's it called? <laughs> Big Little Lies. No, um, Game of Thrones. Oh. Never seen that. I'm Kevin Cirilli, <laughs> Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Have a great weekend. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.